This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. This is episode 19. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Cincinnati's favorite bartender, Molly Wellman. Anything with liquid, I can somehow make. I have no idea how. I'm horrible at cooking, though. (laughs) Don't ask me to cook a steak. Of course, Molly is not just a mere bartender, she is a mixologist, and uh, she really actually uh, is into mixology in a really cool way in the fact that she uses natural ingredients for all her mixes and things like that, stuff we knew nothing about, we learned a lot. Uh, She's also the owner of several establishments in town, including Japs, Melt, uh, the Old Kentucky Bourbon Bar, Picnic, and Pantry, uh, Myrtles, Neon, and Bottle and Basket. Uh, So uh, she is a busy lady, and it was really nice for her to take some time to talk to us. We had such a fun chat with Molly, and like I said, we learned a lot about drinks and history and how it all fits together. So be sure to listen for the 20% off code, which you can use at cincyshirts.com or in-store if you have a notion. So with that being said, here is Josh, Darren, and me talking to Molly Wellman. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. Ohio. Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm a CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. So I, I guess I will start. So you're from here, right? Yeah, I'm or, from Cincinnati. Uh, born uh, and raised. Okay. And uh, how do you get to become Cincinnati's favorite hold on, bartender. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> when someone says that, the next question is, we, what, what high school, school did you go to? I know, right? I'm <laughs> always waiting the for that. The guy from Cleveland doesn't ask the right question. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. What well, we'll forgive you this time. <laughs> so I went to, uh, I was Molly from Macaulay. Ah, nice. Yes. And then nice. I graduated from Coleraine. So I grew up behind Northgate. Nice. <laughs> I know. Very nice. We need a Molly from Macaulay shirt. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would there be so go. funny. <laughs> we can sell one, right? Right. I'd wear it. That's awesome. <laughs> now you may continue, PF. Okay. So usually when I like, well, when. No, then the next question is do you know? <laughs> now, you, now that you know from the West Side, what parish did you go to? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Well, I'm, I'm um, an East Sider uh, by. Yeah, I guess transplantation. But so I don't know anybody on the west side. Even ask you about. I had one friend that lived off of Coleraine, but I don't. I she probably knows him. That uh, probably. That's a tight knit community over there. Will Thompson. <laughs> that name sounds familiar. Oh my! I know. <laughs> well, he's just a little younger than me, so maybe yeah. he would. I went to them at the airport. And yeah, he. Do you oh. know people by what they drink? Sometimes. Oh, I know people by what they drink more than I know their names. Isn't that funny? I'll that be like, I totally can remember like 10 years ago what I served you like all the time. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. That's hilarious. It's, it's crazy. All right, TF, now the proper introduction. <laughs> okay. So, well, um, you know, usually whenever you're comedians, I, you know, I ask, we're always interested in comedy, but it's kind of a funny thing to ask if you're always interested in, you know, drinks and things like that, or, or just cooking in general. How did you do, develop this, you know, interest 
Is it's there a term for that? Is it Mix, I call mixology? It, I call it mixmology. Uh, is what of course I call. you know. <laughs> Yeah, you're self-taught. Yeah, she self-taught. Is, she is self-taught on. mixmology. Sometimes, <laughs> I will tell you, like, you see some of these um, mixologists, uh, in parentheses, uh, come on, and they have the curly mustache, and they've got the sleeve guards, and I am not that person. First of all, I'm a lady. I don't have a curly mustache, which is um, a plus. That would plus. be amazing. I know. I'm, no, I'm not big on that. Man, so that's your next tattoo. You no, know, my God. <laughs> that would be weird. So I'm not big into that. I like to do my own thing. And I study, like, cocktails from, like, 100 years ago and how they were made and everything. And then I kind of do them the way I do things modern style, you know? So I use those concepts and then do them, my, do them in my own way, which I that's like awesome. it that way. So. So if you go to Japs, I don't know if yeah. all your uh, you know different different locations you run, you ought to do the same things the same way. But with Japs especially, that was a bar that was been here for over hundred years, right? Well, it wasn't a bar; it was a wig and hair store. Okay. It was a wig and hair store from eighteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty. Isn't that crazy? Wow! That is crazy. I, know. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was like the and it was owned by the Jap family who were German. <laughs> I know. Which is hilarious. I know. It's just so hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, you have no idea how many people get like emails from people from like all over the country. Like, why would you name your bar Japs? How yeah. racist! And I'm like, no, this is like from 1879. Come on, this is like yeah. Jap is a very common German and uh, Dutch last name apparently. So who huh. knows? You know? Huh. It just it just kind of happens that way. History is weird. <laughs> so they were making wigs for yeah. Hair. So people would go in and they would sell their hair, and the um, Jap family would um, hand sew them into wigs, toupees, braids, and they made their own hair dyes, hair tonics, shampoos, all kinds of stuff for Japs. And then they sold like hair products too. Like they had this brush. I kid you not. This is so funny. They had this brush that was like turn of the century um, company, I think from New York or Massachusetts, it was called the prophylactic penetrator brush. Ah, I'm <laughs> listening. Like <laughs> Parents, you may want to turn the radio down. <laughs> no, but it was a real brush. Like they, the, the company had it in all the mess kits in uh, for the soldiers during World War II or excuse me, World War One. Isn't that nuts? Huh. They were carrying prophylactic penetrator brushes. And I have a big, like, advertisement for it. Really? Oh, so, you need to send us that. If you have a, if you so, have a picture of that, uh, we'd love to put that on the blog when we, when we post this episode. Done. But, so just to recap, so far in the first five minutes, we've learned that there was a German family in Cincinnati named Japs mm-hmm. making hairbrush with the word prophylactic in it, shipping it to US soldiers in World War One. Kind of. Yeah. No? <laughs> you kinda got it right. <laughs> okay. I, I, you this just, is a this is a <laughs> lot to take in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was gonna just be all sex on the beach talk. Right? Stackeries. <laughs> That's great. That oh, is great. No, I should have brought some cocktails. That would have made. Oh, I know. What the I, heck? Know. I thought you had your so traveling uh, case that you just busted out. <laughs> now, do you are you into that type of history, or did you just sort of learn that because because of your proximity to Japs? I well, first of all, I mean, I've had Japs for uh, it's almost eight years now, mm-hmm. and so of course you have to know the history. And I'm I am a history buff. Like I learn. 
I, I think the reason why I got into this so hardcore is because history. When you learn about drinks, you learn about spirits, you learn about the history of the world. Uh, when you learn about cocktails, you learn about the history of America. When you learn about bourbon, you learn about this area, which I find very fascinating. So yeah. uh, the reason why I got into this is because of the history. I'm a big nerd about it. Probably put everybody to sleep, but I really love no, the no history way. behind That's why it. we're here. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's just so, I think it's just so fascinating. And Every aspect of human life has had alcohol in it at some point in life. And I think that's fantastic. I love it. Another reason yeah. we're all here. Yeah. <laughs> so PF, PF started it and then I interrupted him like yeah. four times. So how did you how did you migrate toward like a, a career in this? Uh, well, I made it myself. I figure if uh, I love to do something, I might as well just make it. You know, I couldn't. I, I started. So let's go back. Do, 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 do. I was born and raised here. Seventh generation Cincinnatian, both sides. Wow. Irish German, good Cincinnati Catholic girl. <laughs> if there is such a quotes. thing, I know. <laughs> yeah. From the West Side at that. Yeah. Um, so I, I moved away for a while. I went to San Francisco for 12 years and did stuff out there. I worked in high end retail, put myself through school twice. And then 10 years ago, decided. I want to move home and continue my roots here in Cincinnati. That was really important. Uh, and when I moved back, I'm like, what am I going to do? I went to school for nutrition. I went to school to become a jewelry designer of all things. But I did both of those things working in the hospitality industry. And uh, I was like, well, I'll just bartend. I wasn't sure who would hire me because I'm a little more colorful than folks around and professional, <laughs> what you would call professional. I'm very professional, but the normal conservative professionalism. The stereotype, yeah, yeah, exactly. The exactly. Midwest. Exactly. So I wasn't sure, you know, where my direction, but I was like, I'm going to bartend so I can start meeting people, find out how the city has changed, see, uh, you know, what's going on and how I can be a part of it. So I started bartending. Where did you start? Like, what are some of the places that you worked? Because oh, I was in college, let's see, 96 through... Uh, 99, and then when I started doing stand-up, I was, I was working at Procter & Gamble, so I was still living downtown and going out a lot, so... Yeah. Like, I just, I love hearing the names of some of the, you know, the... The, the Japs and the yes. uh, Jump and Have oh, a Nice Day Jump. and so, Cincinnati. All of Caddies. those I was in San Francisco for. Okay. But I'd come uh, back and visit my cousins and my sister would drag me down there and, you know, we'd <laughs> dance on the bar at, you know, what was that? Um, Red Cheetah. Yeah. Yeah. We were, <laughs> and it was appropriate then. And have a nice day and all of that. It was so fun. But I was in San Francisco. So when I came back, it was in 2008. And I start, first started at a restaurant, Jean Robert's restaurant, Chalk, over in Covington. Yeah. And it was like the size, I mean, it was the size of like a coffin. It was the smallest bar ever. It was so small. And But the chef let me in the kitchen and he let me make my own juices and my own syrups and my own mixers and everything. And he would let me uh, pick stuff from the farmers that were knocking on the back door so I could use the same ingredients they were oh, using wow. for the food and everything to make all these cocktails. And that's something you wanted to do? Like yes. you were proactive about that? I, I hate things like puckers and razzmatazz and all those like brightly colored, artificially flavored cocktail mixers. I went to school for nutrition, so I don't eat that stuff. I don't serve that stuff. And it didn't fit the restaurant either. Yeah, it, yeah, that you know, place especially. Yeah. It, it was, I mean. They had pucker behind the bar? Yeah, they had apple pucker. And I'm like, I'm not making a freaking apple teeny. No way. I'm going to make something like fresh. Well, it was Give me a real, too. I mean, it, yeah, their was. wine was Boone's Farm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had good wine. It was I'm Jean just kidding. I'm He's very particular I'm about very, things. I'm very much joking. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah, I love, I love that. It, it was it was a lot of fun. But I, I I'm a terrible cook, but anything with liquid I can somehow make. I have no idea how. I'm horrible at cooking though. <laughs> don't ask me to cook a steak. <laughs> huh. So I, mean, are you, I don't know if you're giving away secrets, but like, how do you? What do you substitute for those things? Like, so I use a real freaking apple. <laughs> there you go, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah, so simple. So simple. I don't. I'm in my 40s. I don't like doing anything hard anymore. You know, like I like to like keep things really simple, really fresh, really approachable. You know, I think that's really really important. So. And do people notice right away that that you were doing that, having that approach versus? Now they do. Well, now they do, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but but You're when a celebrity but when I was uh, first starting out. You know, I really had, I, I, I had to sell it. And it wasn't hard to sell to uh, my guests, you know, on the other side of the bar. Yeah. They were really excited about it. You know, Especially like, there. That's such a great place to, like, I don't know that you would get away with that at Red Cheetah or Electra right. or somewhere. Well, for a while I did work, you know, with, with um, over at Mainstay Rock Bar. Okay. For a little yeah. while. And I loved it. I was yeah. slinging big ass beers and, you know, the rock music and everything. And they would put me in the far corner because I remember, uh, Chris, who was managing and Chris and Travis, they'd be like, Molly, you talk too, too long to too, too many people. And I'm like, I will continue to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, so they put me in the corner and they're like, there's Molly over there. She sometimes brings stuff for her fancy pants drinks. But for the most <laughs> part, it was like slinging, you know, the yeah, big beers yeah. and, and stuff. But once in a while, I'd bring things for her shots and they'd all be fresh and I'd have a group around there like hey where's that crazy stuff that you brought in Molly <laughs> yeah but yeah anyway it was it, but so I've worked in every kind of aspect of the bar somewhere high-end uh rock bar nightclub I've worked in every kind of bar hotel bar I've worked in every kind what's your so. favorite of course the bar the Japs the no, bar, no, I don't know. I, yeah yeah well but the I cocktail mean, bar yeah the cocktail bar for sure. Now I went yeah. to Japs with a buddy, and uh, I was like, "Oh man, what are we gonna get?" Because you know, it's kind of you walk in there, and you're not always sure of the vibe and right. everything. So he kind of explained that, yeah, you guys do it old school or before old school, I guess. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> in the eight, the eighteen nineties, yeah, whatever. It's pretty much. He's yeah. like, "You gotta get an amaretto sour," and I'm like, "Really? Like that's what <laughs> my mom would drink?" <laughs> he's like, "No." He's like, "Just watch how she makes it." And he took out an egg. Yeah, I did. And there's like an egg in there, like a real egg. Not not so so. What's that replace or what? So it's just the light. And the drink. So there's this thing about <laughs> sours, like, yeah, that's, that's right? A, that's a drink we, everyone's like, had, and no yeah. one's ever put a negative. They're really sweet and they're really heavy. You think about an amaretto sour that you've had anywhere else. Uh-huh. It's like they bring out this big jug of sour mix, and it's like glug 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 <laughs> glug like into the glass so the egg white is just to lighten it up it's like putting a meringue in a glass it just lightens it up so it's not so so you can taste everything it's not super duper sweet and it doesn't stick like yeah. in the back of your throat like some of that glug glug and that glug. is how they did it back in the day or they is that, did. A, is that yeah. an updated no, contemporary version eggs were of, used uh, in drinks for a really long time like back back yeah. to the um back to the middle ages they've used eggs it's crazy nice. drinks there's no salmonella so, or chicken feathers or anything like that well they've that. been eating eggs that haven't been in the refrigerator <laughs> for a really long time <laughs> and i get really fresh eggs every every week i get fresh eggs so i'm very particular about that that's awesome. Similarly, daiquiris yeah. are not made. I, they, Rachel Maddow was on this one podcast. I think it's called the Spork and the Food or Spork, the Fork and the Spoon or the Spork. I think it's called the Sporkful, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I think spork. it's called Sporkful. Yeah. Anyway, she was on with them and she's a big daiquiri nut. And I she love explained daiquiris. to them 
that uh, her and her partner love daiquiris, but the daiquiri you get at your local bar is not a proper daiquiri like you would get back in the day in Havana. It's yeah. completely different. And like you're saying, it's all because of the ingredients. Daiquiris, especially in Cuba, that what I've learned is it's such a simple drink. It dates back to the it dates back to the turn of the century, the this daiquiri. But but they've been mixing rum and lime and sugar together for a freaking long time, even longer than the turn of the century. Uh, they just didn't call it a daiquiri. They called it something else. But in Havana, or in, in Cuba especially, there are all different kinds of daiquiris. I mean, there are lists you can go. I, I haven't been, but I've, I look at the lists and everything. I'm a big nerd about that. You can find so many different recipes for daiquiris, but I'm a big daiquiri fan too. And I judge other bartenders on their daiquiris. I'm like, just make me a daiquiri. It's the simplest thing, right? Three things, right? And it's all about fresh lime, a really great rum, and then sugar, fine sugar. And then shake in just the right way so it's super duper cold and super refreshing, but very balanced. Hmm. It's awesome. So mojito is closer to a daiquiri than probably what we would get at TJ Fridays, right? <laughs> a mojito or- goes back even further. I mean, mojito dates back to, think of pirates. I think of pirates when I think of mojitos. Okay. Like to the 1600s, <laughs> 1700s. There's a story. It's It's completely... So stories are really crazy. History is really crazy. There's all kinds of stories out there. There's all kinds. And I usually pick the one that I like the best because there's so many. Because I wasn't there and neither were you. We don't know. There's just books that you can read and research to get all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. So have you ever heard of Sir Francis Drake? Yes. Pirate, right? Okay. He was was in the Caribbean. He would, uh, you know, attack as many ships as he could to loot, right? Or towns to loot as well. They were pirates. Well, they were trying to loot uh, a particular town and they didn't do very well. And they made their way out and they came and they, they needed actually to make almost a medicine. So they took mint and, sh- and sugar cane and, um, and lime and put it with the harsh, very harsh rum, not the Bacardi of the day, but this very harsh pirate rum is what I would call it, but or aguardiente is what they call it. They put it all together to drink. It's almost like a medicine. And that's kind of where you're, you're thinking of like one of the stories for the first mojito. And then the workers in the plantations, the sugar fields, they put mint and lime and sugar together all the time with their rum. They're the ones that kind of came up with the whole concept of rum. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'd hope that they go by a little better. It right? did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was safer to drink alcohol than it was to drink water. You got to think about that too. So there was a lot of alcohol consumption, both beer, wine, and spirit, because it was safer to drink. Yeah, they water. Say back in Europe, you know, back in as far as the Middle Ages, and as soon as they could figure out how to make beer, it was a lot safer because yep. the water was all polluted in the river from people dumping stuff in it downstream. It was their toilet, their trash yeah, can, their exactly. everything. You didn't drink that. Water was horrible. Yeah. yeah, it was awful. And it didn't have filtration like we do today. So it was easier just to get a, a mug of beer and, and drink that instead of water. You knew you wouldn't die. Mojito, that's my wife's favorite drink. And it's the, for someone, I don't, I don't drink. Like I, but I'm, you know, I'm in that environment all the time and and like as an observer both as a comedian and somebody who just likes to go out like i i do watch it a lot and i'm fascinated by it but the mojito seems to be the one that like each place you go it's can be completely different it is i mean what are what drinks are like are like in that same sort of family that it's like it's really in how you make it whereas there's probably a lot of other ones that are like it's a shot of this and a little bit of this and a splash of this right. and it's going to be the same Wherever you go. That's a hard question because everyone does something different and everybody has different ingredients that they like to use. 
when I make a mojito, I like to use real sugar. I like that the way it does. I put, I take lime juice, real sugar, and mint, and ice, and rum, and I shake it all together. I don't muddle the mint either. You don't? No, because it'll, I don't like how bitter it turns the mint. But there's some people who will take that mint and lime and, and sugar or simple syrup and muddle it all together and then add their rum and then top it off with ice and soda. But for me, I like to put the mint in and then strain it over a new ice. So it's, they don't have bits of bruised mint in there yeah. turning and bitter. You on your teeth. Exactly. And- <laughs> I like it to be really bright with fresh lime and real sugar. I like the real sugar instead of simple syrup for a mojito because when you're drinking it, it's not like all sweet. It's like little bursts of sweetness that come through, through the lime and the rum. And then that mint is so fresh in your face and your nose. It's awesome. So I'm going to try that this summer. As far as the base ingredients, I had to determine what is good because I was listening to NPR's Planet Money podcast a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about vodka yeah. and cheap vodka versus good vodka. And even though it's just alcohol and water, basically, there's still a difference, and I guess it's dependent on where they take the alcohol at the stage of the fermenting process. Kind of. Uh, vodka is a really weird thing. Vodka is distilled many times to a very high proof. Right. And they uh, take alcohol to a high proof also for cleaning products and um, industrial products reasons as well but i for me i feel that vodka the best thing you're the most you should be looking at is the water that it's coming from um it does make it it does make it better if you distill vodka quite a few times uh it makes it smoother it takes a lot more of the impurities out as well but usually with vodka it's 40 60 it's 40 percent 190 proof well some are a little less um spirit neutral spirit and then the rest is water so how do you judge other uh, liquor I mean, as, as far as its qualities? Is it a matter of taste, or do you know at this point, you know, what's how they're made and and what's, what makes a better drink? It's Oh, my goodness, we have to talk. Now. <laughs> you know, it's not true. Um, it's the taste for me, you know. Um, running, a, running quite a few businesses, you know, the, I, I like to use um, things that are economical is when I, where I can. Um, and I work really, really hard to make sure that everything that is, is a lower price point tastes really good. I do a lot of research to see where it's made, how it's made. If I have the chance to go and visit the distillery where it's made, I will just to see the process. I mean, distillation is a pretty freaking easy thing to do, but you can screw it up so bad. Uh, so I'm very particular about things like that, but especially with bourbon and whiskeys, it's, I think it's about the taste more than anything. So uh, you could like a, a maybe a slightly lower shelf brand if it yeah. suits your taste. Okay. There's a lot, you know, um, I don't spend an arm and a leg on, on really, really expensive, especially bourbons. I go out and buy something that's like 20 to $30. My favorite bourbon right now is 30 bucks on the shelf. And so I don't Are you need allowed to, to tell us what that is? Of course. It's Henry McKenna, 10-year bottled and bond. I'm like all about that right now. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. It's that's awesome. A, that's a very polarizing alcohol, bourbon. bourbon. I mean, it's very, people have their favorites. And, you know, I was uh, I was doing shows in Chicago and a buddy of mine saw me post online and he begged me to go to a liquor store that's the only place you Finnies. can buy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only place you can buy this pecan bourbon that mm-hmm. he used for grilling and drinking. And so I loaded up on it for him and. It just, you know, my 
my father-in-law is obsessed with Woodford yes. and, my, and it, my brother-in-law is obsessed with makers. Like, it's just, it's so funny that people just, they find their brand and they latch onto it. And it's bourbon is a crazy thing right now. It's a lot of fun though. It yeah. really is. I do a bourbon tasting at least once a week, every, forever. I've been doing that. And then, and then you would be so surprised on how many people are really, really into it and some pe- how many people really want to be into it and how much stuff is in, involved in it. You know? Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Like it's I awesome. signed up, like I said, I don't drink, but I signed up to put my name on a maker's mark barrel because <laughs> nice. the, 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 the whole process <laughs> of it was fascinating to me of like following along and knowing, like, I yeah. feel like I'm educated by it, if nothing else, you know? You'll, and you know, even though you don't drink, by the way, even though you don't drink, you're always welcome in my bars. I will <laughs> always make you something really interesting that doesn't that. have any alcohol okay, in it. Be my follow-up yeah. question. I yeah. want that to be, yeah. but, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> the bourbon part, I mean, of course, everybody loves to drink it. And it is um, fascinating that every single bottle, every single barrel, I should say, is completely different than the other one. I think that's just magical. It's just uh, like personalities, you know, it's like people, you know, you're meeting a new, a new bourbon. You're like, oh, this is so cool. You may not have it again ever, but you got to meet it. You got to have an experience (laughs) with it. I think that's really cool. It is cool. Uh, But I I love meeting all the different people who are in the bourbon. You know, I love talking and the history and the stories that go with it. And it, it, I mean, when you're talking about bourbon, you're really talking about the history of America. You're talking about the history of Kentucky. Cincinnati, uh, even when you talk about rise, you're talking about like Eastern, um, the Eastern seaboard, uh, you're talking about Eastern, uh, states. Yeah. It's, it's really tells a story of how we became who we are. And yeah. I think that's just so cool. And you can drink it. It's yeah. so neat. It's so yeah. cool. Just getting drunk all the time. I was time. in, yeah. I was in uh, Iowa. I was doing shows in Des Moines and I, a lot of times clubs will book me for corporate gigs, like at Christmas yeah. time, because I can be clean enough that, you know, I won't offend like a giant group of a hundred people, but they had, it was, I don't know, it was like the plumber's union or something. And it was their huge Christmas party. And afterwards they came up to me and the, and the guy presented me with this bottle of, uh, Templeton rye. Oh yeah. And like, (laughs) and I was like, you know, I was like, Oh, thank you. You know, I was like very appreciative. And I was like, I can't wait to take this home so that my, you know, my brother-in-law and my father-in-law could try it because they are just obsessed. And and then everyone that saw me holding it, their eyes lit up like, where did you get that? Because yes. it's like so hard to get there. It's, you know, it's such a small batch that it's, it's so only funny. available for a limited time. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, to me, it's it was just a bottle of alcohol that was made locally or right. whatever. Yeah. But when other people saw it that like knew about it, they were like, oh, lucky. You know? And I'm just like, what? You know, I didn't have the appreciation for it but then i learned about it and i'm like this is this is really cool it's it, they all have these like really awesome stories that go with them and it it just it makes it more of an experience rather than oh i just got this bottle of liquor you know yeah it's really neat i love studying them so i, I come cool. into your bar and i say i don't drink make me yeah. something what what do you make me so i'd ask you what do you normally drink soda you soda, know like, yeah, like, a, like a pop yes yeah, yeah. flavored soda or um i would see what i have because i make all my own uh simple syrups and everything yeah i would sort of make i would sort of mix that together and i like to use um floral waters and different kinds of um different kinds of almost tinctures you know mm-hmm. some uh, teas as well 
So I do all kinds of things like that, and I add that together. Instead of adding the alcohol, I just um, add soda water. Or okay. I'll add juice of some sort, LSD. but it'll be completely. Yeah. And then I drop yeah. in the LSD, and then everybody has a really good time. But you haven't drank alcohol, so exactly. we're okay. Um, no, no. I said, "Hey, Molly, can I, can I have a Molly?" <laughs> <laughs> That's when the Molly comes in. <laughs> that cocktails. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but we have quite a few people come in who don't drink alcohol, and I like to put things in fancy glasses and scare everybody. No, so. it's fun. It is fun. You no know, like, like it's it's maybe stupid other people but like no. because i've become obsessed with root beers oh yeah and uh, and, uh cream awesome. sodas so like if i get i get that way that a lot of people get about trying new bourbon like if i see like a root beer <laughs> yeah. i've never had and Aged i feel like I, yeah it's like i can taste the vanilla cool. or the caramel or something you know it's, there's a there's a lot of history with that too there's a lot of history with soda that's very parallel to the saloon um, that it's it's fascinating too. So I appreciate that so much. I think that is so freaking cool. Oh, Be surprised. Fun. You're sweet. <laughs> what about uh, absinthe? Absinthe. Oh gosh. Do you know anything about that? Like in the back yes. of the day, what what filtered it through wormwood or something? Or, no, well, it's uh, and then infused it, with wormwood. Something like that. <laughs> and then you like trip for three days or something. It's, or, it's absolutely even, amazing. I mean, it is really that more is. of a you know, magic mushroom type thing, or is that considered like, you know, in the liquor history? I think that um, it would ter- be a whole different thing if it was a magic mushroom thing. I think that <laughs> it would be a lot more popular than bourbon right now. <laughs> but no, there's, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a, uh, old wives tale about tripping on absinthe. Okay. See, I figured you so knew the answer to that. It, it, you know, absinthe is a weird story. I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. There's a lot more. There's books, whole books written on this, but basically absinthe has been around. I think it was, uh, started in Switzerland, uh, in Germany as well. And it was just like so many other, uh, liquors and elixirs and things like that. Absinthe was something that was an, a very high proof alcohol that was infused with many di- different herbs and botanicals, one of them being wormwood. Now, wormwood uh, is a special herb. It is. There is There are trace amounts of a hallucinogen in wormwood called third Uh but it's so little, it's so light, you would have to drink a sh- ton. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> ton of it and you would probably uh you'd probably lose consciousness and have to go in the hospital for alcohol poisoning before you would see the green fairy you would black out but you know there's a lot of things that had wormwood in it back in the day it's just worm or absinthe got a bad rap uh in history in the 1800s in europe it became very popular you know it's very popular to drink wine like i said that whole water thing so people were drinking wine and beer there's thing that happened with the wine crops in Europe called fluxera. It was a disease that pretty much rotted out all of the grapes in Europe. Pretty much. It was like somebody did a hybrid from a grape here in America and it, and fluxera happened. And, you know, grapes are finicky and they disease easily. Well, this wiped out the grape crop. And so it was very hard to get your hands on grape products, wine, cognac, things that people were used to drinking in Europe. So some people, a lot of the bohemians, they started turning towards higher proof alcoholic absinthe and gin and different things like that. Um, at the same time, you have the temperance movement all over the world trying to like rage war against alcohol and uh, against alcoholics and people who drink. And they were a force to be reckoned with. They really were a big part of putting into people's heads that 
You would internally combust if you drank alcohol. You would kill your family. You would freak out and see the green fairy and, you know, go on a murdering rampage and things like that. So this is all propaganda. It is a lot of propaganda in that. Now, they did outlaw absinthe kind of was kind of like the uh, martyr for for a lot of that. I think since it was such a high proof uh, alcohol, it pretty much uh, was outlawed. You know, because of that. In 2007, though, it was made legal again in the United States. And it is just the same. People are like, it's not the real stuff. But it is. There's absence that are made here in America or that are shipped in from Europe that are just the same as the um, as the absinthe from, you know, over 100 years ago. Really? Yeah. Yes. I, just, I just figured it was a sorority girl version or something just to, just to no. sell some, uh, some moonshine. But, no. Uh, no, it's just like any other alcohol. It, it really is. It's actually really, if you like, if you like the taste of like licorice and you like very herbally uh, tastes, absinthe awesome. I just, just don't, if you're getting absinthe, don't shoot it. Don't go and like pour shots <laughs> yeah. of it for everybody and shoot it. That just looks, makes you like, it's a very, uh, it's an alcohol that needs to be respected and it will respect you if you drink it right. You know, we were uh, talking to the Listerman folks a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I and, love the uh, Listerman. Cool well, we interviewed them in their beer hall, so I'm going to have to really fix the audio on that one. <laughs> Got a little, a little fuzzy. But um, he was saying that, you know, there's difference between beer drinkers because they're your, your Pabst Blue Ribbon, your Budweiser people, who and, and it's more, and I found this fascinating, I never really thought about it, it makes sense. It's just an alcohol delivery system where people enjoy craft beers, right. enjoy the beer. And I'm, I'm assuming the same thing with uh, liquors is that, you know, does it drive you crazy when people are shooting things and just, you know, do, just doing shots in a row and not and not really respecting the, 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 the craft, as it were, or the... You know, so it does. Sometimes I don't get too upset about it. I think everybody should drink the way they want to, and I will serve it exactly the way. I will try to convince you, you know, tell you the history of it and tell you why. But if you're so adamant about <laughs> having a shot of freaking absinthe, then I will, after telling you why you shouldn't, I will well, then, reluctantly pour you one. Then I would uh, tell you about my week. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and yeah, like, oh, you exactly. need a shot of absinthe. <laughs> it's funny. I was down at the Bourbon Trail this weekend and my sister and her boyfriend uh, we were all going and doing all the distilleries and everything and we were at wild turkey and we signed up we we signed up for they have a tasting a premium tasting where it's four hundred dollars worth of really good um bourbon that's you know uh the bottles are very special you know and these are the kinds of bourbons that you don't really want to mix i mean you can they say you, sh- you can do it however you want but I really was trying to teach them the differences in these bourbons and why they're so special and what they do. And my sister, in the middle of this whole thing, pulls out a freaking bottle of Diet Coke and <laughs> right in the middle of, of this like premium tasting. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, she had to mix it up right yeah, there. Yeah, I was huh? like, you know, there's some that I was like, there are some that are great for mixing with this, but I just wanted you to taste how different these were. And if you drink Diet, Diet Coke, you're not going to be able to like mm-hmm. really understand or be able to taste everything i want you to experience but you know i don't get too mad i don't i don't like lose sleep at night or anything (laughs) (laughs) is uh keeping up with the trends a big thing that you're concerned with or you're you're more the the historian yeah i'm more of the historian i i like the history so is uh i mean i hear that bourbon's taking over for vodka is that (laughs) is that true or is that uh I've seen a lot more bourbon drinkers than vodka drinkers these days, but the vodka is still really popular. So, yeah, but yeah. As far as, as far as the industry though, isn't there a bourbon shortage 
Or is that is <laughs> that Milwaukee that. too? <laughs> there, there's more bourbon barrels in Kentucky than there are people. I think we'll be okay. Wow. <laughs> and you can make you can make bourbon anywhere in the United States. And there's a lot of craft distilleries that have been gone into business, and they're starting uh, to put their bourbons out on the market as well, which is really cool. So I think we're going to be okay with with bourbon. Marketing is a weird thing, though, and it it uh, kind of prevents uh, some brands from getting. To the into the hands of everybody. Is so. one of the big brands gonna start watering it down a little bit because they were running with the Jack Daniels it was, or Maker's Mark? It was Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark. They, they switched that up pretty darn. They quick, did. Though. They yeah. Yeah. took them. That, a, that plan did not last yeah. very long. No, it's always gonna be ninety proof. They won't make that mistake again. So when you're traveling around, do you at other parts of the country do you discover drinks that way and? Are certain of parts of the country known for different? Like I imagine the Southwest is it more tequila, or is out west is it more? wine is it well what's yeah i i mean yeah i mean different it's it's funny because with this whole industry you know everyone's trying to find their niche in whatever city they're in and i find that uh i can find a different kind of bar in any city that i go into but yeah you know when i'm out in california i'm out in california i don't know i find a lot of different kinds of bars southwest you'll find a lot of tequila bars you know the, all the states are different with their liquor laws as well, so it's it's up to that that as well. But I think it's really cool, you know, how the industry has changed. You know, I think it's really neat how many different kinds of bars we have. You know, and are you ever surprised by something that's served to you and think, oh, I've got a, or is there just a, oh. is this a, a finite number of drinks basically, or is it? No, it, I'm really blown away by what some what some bartenders put together. Even just here in Cincinnati, we have awesome bartenders in the city, and they're doing really creative things. And for you know being around for the last ten years and starting out, and I didn't find anyone who was doing cocktails with fresh ingredients or making their own bitters or you know studying old classic cocktails and putting them out to the you know to their guests i didn't see anybody doing that and to find i could go or to know that i could go to like a ton of different places here and know i'm going to get a fantastic cocktail made with love made with care you know thought put into it fresh ingredients i'm so excited about that is it the old days i used to be like oh, Gosh, I hope they don't give me an apple teeny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the experience I hope is that's all I, ha- I have to choose from. Now, if you, if you go out to a, a bar, do you roll up and you notice the the bartenders get nervous and they, you know, they're, uh, yeah, you know, maybe they get out their book and make sure they're they're doing everything right because I mean that'd be intimidating, right? If, I mean, so it was people know who you are. It was a while ago. It's gotten a lot better. I, you know, only ask for I, when I go out and drink though. Really easy. I usually just get some bourbon on the rocks, or I'll get a beef eater martini. I'm pretty pretty easy with that. I make cocktails all day. So I d- unless they are, they specifically, you know, say we are a cocktail bar. We're going to do cocktails. We're really into classics. That's when I go in. And I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to try your cocktails. You know, like, can you make this? Can you make this? And then um, I get really excited because I want to talk to them and like, you know, jam with them about their knowledge and against my knowledge and, you know, talk shop, you know? So there have been instances where I've gone in and, you know, asked for a specific cocktail and they didn't know what it was. And then they're like, oh gosh, Molly Wellman, she's so freaking complicated. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and I'm really not. Oh, I'm sure. really pretty easy. I'm really easy going. So, um, I know, I know cocktails in different places that I like to order from 
you know, specific places too. So I went to a bar half mile down the down the road, my little watering hole, and I asked the bartender, "Hey, what's different? Hey, me and my buddy are going to do a shot. What would you suggest?" And she said, "Have you ever had a Tommy gun?" <laughs> Uh, so I was like, no, of course not. So she's like, well, shot of Jameson yeah. and then follow it with a shot of pickle juice. Yeah, that's from the old Southgate house. Yeah. yeah. So, we, so we did it. And yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah. The, the the pickle juice neutralized the Jameson. Yeah. So it really didn't even, you didn't have that big, you know, burn in your throat afterwards. No. But I was like, whoever put that together or yeah. I don't know you have like a, a, whole, a whole list of things that are probably a Jameson really... and look for the first thing yeah, you yeah. like oh my god yeah exactly no it's a, you'd be surprised what drunk bartenders put together you know yeah. or you know the the challenges like let me find the grossest thing I think you could possibly ever drink what's the ter- what's the the um the mat that you know uh, you pour drinks on, yeah. and, and they take all that juice and dump it into a shot glass. I would never do that to anybody. <laughs> I've a million the years. The kitchen sink, or no, it's like yeah, a, a dare. It is. Thing. Yeah, I it's know. Not like you would oh, trick someone, but God, Some people have they have they have dared people to do that. It's so gross, oh, gross. Anyway, don't I won't ever do that. Don't ever do that. It's so gross. No, I I I change cocktail lists uh, every two weeks at Japs. And I um, have an entire, like, and I, usually I don't even go off the, the board. I don't, I have a whole Rolodex of cocktails in my head. And when I go, when I actually do go and bartend behind the bar, I usually will plan, you know, a list that I'm going to, I'm going to serve that night of different spirits and then different cocktails that I want to um, talk about or uh, present. You know, I've been doing that for the last 10 years, so I continue to do that. So, Is there you, a signature, like, is there, like, somebody who walks in who does drink and says, give me your best concoction? What do you have a go-to, or is it so when people for- when people walk in and they see me behind the bar, and it, it sucks when I've had really long days, but I just be like, what do you want? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now, um, if, if you come into Japs and you have see me behind the bar, people come in and like, Molly, all right, I'm told that you just, I just have to tell you what I like and then you'll make me something. I'm like, yes. So usually I say, can I make, can I make you something? And you're like, yeah. And I'll say, what do you normally drink? So what do you normally drink when you go to the bar? Besides Jameson and pickle juice. Yeah. yeah, That's about it. Um, (laughs) I have a makers on the rocks or, uh, I don't know, mix it with Coke sometimes, uh, Beer mainly. Nice. Yeah, I don't I don't go out and get trashed too often these days. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, but the uh, but yeah, I don't know. Probably my guilty pleasure is the uh, oh the the black cherry Jim Beam. Yeah, What's, the uh, uh, red stag. Red stag. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I probably order like that, that more than I should. So I would come up with a cocktail just from what you said. I say, will you trust me? Instead, because I don't carry red stag, I'd probably put something together that had bourbon. Um, maybe some, some, uh, cherry, uh, maybe some honey. And then I'd probably top it off with some beer. Just, you know, from everything you just said. There you go. And All the would, same thing. Huh? It would be something what? you've never had and it would be great. Beer and, beer and wine and, and, uh, uh, champagne are great to top drinks off with. You know, it, you add a different kind of flavor. It lightens the drink up and it brings all these different flavors together. It's awesome. We do it all the time. I'm fascinated. It's really cool. Yeah, you were you were talking about places known for their drinks. Like I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and and like the place, this place, like everybody there said you have to get an old fashioned. Like there was just something yeah. about that 
drink there or the way they made it, but they were like famous for it there. I'm, I always think that's funny too, you know, like the mint julep in Louisville for Derby oh, Day yeah. and that sort of thing. And everybody has their different ways to do it. And that is nothing new. Like when, in the old days when, you know, there were so many bars all over the place and you got to think like drinks had changed, um, about the Civil War, about the 1860s, uh, the the bar, the drinks, everything had changed to these kind of new, almost modern cocktails for that for that era it, to be more Americanized. You know, there were different liqueurs, different vermouths, different products coming into the U.S. Um, from different countries. You used pretty much what you could get your hands on. There wasn't any vodka unless you were from Eastern Europe. You know, you happened to be here. And so bartenders were getting creative and there were more and more bars. Every time there was a new town that popped up, every time there was a new, uh, you know, community that popped up, there were two things that made a proper community. One was a church. The other was a tavern. So you always had that tavern and, uh, bar and then you had transportation too. You had the river boats and then by the civil war you had, you know, um, railroad, you know, so you had a lot more people traveling, a lot more people expanding. So, this gave way to more and more bars, more and more bartenders, kind of uh, by word of mouth, learning about different drinks that people were making on the East Coast and then moving, um, you know, westward. So it wasn't until 1862 that the first bar manual was actually put into print where, you know, bartenders could actually say, oh, this is what's going on, you know. <laughs> and this was a bartender that traveled from, you know, New York to St. Louis to New Orleans to San Francisco, and would gather these cocktails that people were making all across the country oh, wow. and put his own spin on it. And then it was just crazy. By the 1870s, 1880s, um, like for instance, here in Cincinnati, we had over uh, close to 2,000 saloons and bars and cafes selling alcohol in Cincinnati, in downtown Cincinnati. Can you freaking imagine? Wow. Like the block, you know, 2, between on Vine Street, the block between 12th and 13th, there were 23 bars on that block. In 1888. What? All doing well? All doing really well. It was over the Rhine. Everybody drank. Yeah, it was, this was, it was, Germans, the, you know, it was I, crazy. <laughs> so you can imagine, like, all the comp you know, the competition that was in that, who could make the best drinks, um, the, what was expected as well, you know, that you could get at every bar in, you know, 2000 bars. I, I think that's just, it's really cool. And so how that has grown and how the, how the drinks have changed throughout history from, you know, that, turn you know those the mid early to mid 1800s and now where we are today it's just fascinating it's really really cool there's so many cocktails so american attitudes changed overall with alcohol because you watch mad men they walk right. in the office you open up it you know and it's that, and you yeah. see a lot of guys doing two martini lunches or is that really well you got to think in the 19 in the 1960s 50s and 60s you know a lot of these guys were veterans of world war ii and alcohol was, well, it was just commonplace. It was a different time. And you also have to think, like, when you went in to drink your three martini lunches, the martini glasses were not those big freaking things we have today. They were a, a lot smaller. You know, they were a lot smaller. So a, a three martini lunch back in, an eight, in the 1950s and 60s might equivalent or might be uh, equal to maybe um, a martini and a half of today. So... Still a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there were there were there was a lot of alcoholism, but I mean, it wasn't as much as people drank, you know, in the 1800s before prohibition. 
And during Prohibition, for that matter. <laughs> so we had the Braxton guys in here. Uh, and I love we, Braxton you know, guys. I yeah, love and, the Braxton uh, guys. And Darren brought some into uh, for us to sample, and that yeah. felt really decadent recording the podcast, drinking a beer in the middle yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine going, you know, into the office and seeing Don Draper and saying, okay, just first thing you do, pour a, pour a drink. People used to drink the beginning of the, the old fashioned. That was a morning drink. The mint julep in the South, that was a morning drink. Bloody you know? Mary. Bloody Mary was is a morning drink, but a Bloody oh. Mary came um, after. That's a vodka drink. So that came okay. in like oh. the 1930s, 1940s. Yeah. Ernest Hemingway was one that really came up with like putting all of the into a, mar- into a Bloody Mary. <laughs> the, the, you know, hot sauce and celery the... Celery and bacon and... <laughs> the celery was some guy in Chicago. He put that in there. Oh, you know yeah. who put yeah. celery I in the <laughs> celery? The guy gets credit. But they were making... The Bloody Mary was a red snapper in Europe before it came over after Prohibition in the 1930s. And then it went to New York. They started, you know, fiddling around with it, putting more things into, into it. And then Ernest Hemingway, who was a big drinker, he really, the quintessential Bloody Mary that we all, not not all the, you know, hamburgers and pizzas and, you know, all the crap that they put in a Bloody Mary, but the quintessential classic Bloody Mary, I consider Ernest Hemingway really putting that hmm. recipe together. Now, is there a Hem- Hemingway daiquiri? Too? There is, yeah. Uh, he drank a lot. I was going to say, yeah, he had a lot of stuff. <laughs> he had one called Death in the Afternoon. Um, that was uh, an afternoon drink, <laughs> but it's, it was absinthe and champagne. Oh, there you oh, go. Nice. Yeah, so there you go. Wait, did he invent these or did he just drink them a lot? Uh, I don't know if he invented them at all. I just drank them a lot. He might have. There's books out there about it. Huh. <laughs> so you obviously have an appreciation for the history and yeah. the classic, like back to the roots. Like, how do you feel about this sort of modern stuff people are doing with alcohol with the cotton candy? You know what I mean? And just. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great because you have to make history. And like a hundred years from now, I hope that people look back and say, I'm going to make this classic co- cotton candy drink that they used to do <laughs> yeah. back in the old days. So what? there was some pretty elaborate stuff back in the 1800s as well that we don't do today. That is, it's so, like took so much time and was just so decadent. That the stuff that they're doing today is a, just a different version of that. I think it's fascinating. It's great. So, can you can you drink everybody under the table? Like, what's your tolerance <laughs> You'd be like? So surprised. I'm not really the biggest drinker. You know, I, I have to run all these freaking businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I unless I'm like sitting on a beach or on vacation, you know, I don't I don't go out and day drink all day. I don't like being drunk. You know, unless I'm doing like a bourbon thing and I'm with a bunch of other people who are drink drunk on bourbon, that's always a good time. But no, I'm I'm getting older and those hangovers last a few days now. So that's I, my I can't next question. It. You have to have the ultimate oh, yeah. hangover cure. Yeah, right? I do. I have a drink, but the best the best oh, way to not have a hangover <laughs> is to pace yourself. You know, pace yourself, slow down. Be be responsible in your drinking. All these you know? things don't. They I know. Are they're, fun. Of <laughs> they're not fun, and they don't. They're really hard yeah. to do. It sucks. <laughs> but if if you don't want, to, I usually suggest, especially at the bar, you know, um, have a cocktail. Don't do shots because that will kill you. You know, like just that will put you in a hangover immediately because that's one after another. And as soon as you have one shot, you usually want another, right? I say, have a cocktail, have a conversation, drink it, you know, in, in a timely manner. Then have a glass of water and then have another one. Just slow down and let your body catch up, you know, to 
processing that alcohol. If the next day you wake up, you know, drink a lot of water. Uh, there's the hair of the dog does work. <laughs> yeah, keep it going. But um, yeah, it's, if you don't want to have a hangover, just slow down. Yeah. That's pretty much it. A tip I learned that's actually worked. I don't know if it's legit or not, but it's worked for me. Uh, vitamin B12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just yeah. before you go to bed, take a couple of B12. You're good. I heard take aspirin before you go to bed. Aspirin, well, yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, if anything, you know, there's a process that happens in the body that's, you know, science and medical people have figured out what happens with alcohol when it's in your body. I'm not going to go into that because I am not a doctor, (laughs) but in the, you know, means to an end, slow down. That's pretty much your best bet. Slow down and drink responsibly. I was hoping the Wellman brands would you know, would re- reach out into hangover cures and all these different products to uh, complement ha- the. Uh, I do have my hangover things. drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one I want to ask before we got kind of wa- got away from it. We were talking yeah. about making drinks and like that and other bartenders. Is do you guys ever like you sit around other bartenders and try to like outdo each other or try to or compare uh, notes or have you ever tried doing it this way or is it just so i love that i love talking to other bartenders about you know different things that they are doing and ideas and you know politely ask oh can i can i use that you know and i, I put stuff out all the time I'm like please use this yeah i mean it's no secret you know some bartenders have their secrets i have a bitters recipe that i won't give to anybody because the girl's got to have some mystery you know that's yeah. mine oh nice <laughs> but um for the most part sharing is caring and we won't get any further in our industry unless we do share so you know when jerry thomas wrote that first cocktail menu or manual excuse me you know that was a big deal to like you really um, elevate this industry so sharing is great now one thing i don't like and um i turn them down all the time anymore is cocktail contests like competitions I hate those. I can't stand competitions because cocktails shouldn't be a competition. You know, I, I hate that one person wins. It's never fair. It always sucks. <laughs> feel the same way it. about comedy. Yeah. Comedy. Right? yeah. yeah. Oh I hate it. It's like, it's like, you, I think you get so much more out of it if you have like, just bring everybody together and like, just everybody make your cocktails and let everybody enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Share what you've got going on, you know? Of course, everybody's going to try to outdo each other, yeah. you know? But, but I don't think it needs to be a formal, you know, you won and you lost kind of thing. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Now, when you have so many different spots, are you the type of person that wants each one to be unique in its own right? Or do you like a consistency that people can know that they can go to any of them? So there's a consistency in, in that I like to have for service and for, uh, you know, certain things like the fresh ingredients. You know, you're going to get that, the knowledge behind it, the knowledge, the history, the stories, um, that kind of experience that you're going to get. But, you know, uh, Japs and Mer, pardon me. Oh my gosh. I just burped on the podcast. <laughs> uh-uh. You are not the first. Brand it. <laughs> no, that was a bourbon burp. No. <laughs> it smelled so fresh. It's <laughs> yeah. that mint julep I had this morning for breakfast. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, each one is different, you know. Uh, the um, Japs is a cocktail bar. Myrtle's is a punch house. Um, you know, OKBB is all about bourbon, you know, bourbon and whiskey. So, yeah, they're all different. But that level of service, the level of training that I give to my bartenders, uh, the knowledge that they have, and, the you know, each one of them, if you walk in, you don't know what you want to drink, you say, hey, this is what I like to drink. What do you suggest? And they'll not even blink an eye, I'll be like, oh, great, let's do this, you know? 
All right, I have two more questions. Okay, good. You. I love you, questions. We got about five minutes. Awesome. No, She's we're a busy, gonna be busy lady. Um, <laughs> do you do you have any like uh, tricks? Are you a fan or or you know like the flipping or the flames uh, yeah. or stuff like that? Is that Gosh. is that stuff not unnecessary? Tom no. Bottles. Oh, you just reminded me of my friend Travis. He used to like trick me into going to those freaking flare contests. He's like, hey Molly. Um, tra- you remember Travis, uh, Travis Tuesday, Travis, uh, um, from Mainstay. What's his last name? Oh my God. I can't believe I'm blanking on the podcast. Anyway, he's not with us anymore, but yeah, I hold him in my heart. But funny thing, he knew how much I did not really like the whole Las Vegas flipping <laughs> and flair and everything. And, uh, he tricked me into going to those showcases <laughs> at Mainstay all the time. He's like, no, I just need you to show up, you know, quick meeting. And I'd walk in and it would be full on flare <laughs> everywhere. I'm like, oh my God. And he'd laugh so hard. He's like, ha ha ha. Uh, no, I'm not a big Tom Cruise flipping uh. you know, things. Um, you know, when you're, when you make, have made cocktails as long as I have though, you know, it's just, you could do it in your sleep and, it's just kind of a, yeah. it's a dance already, but it's not like a ballroom dance. You know, it's just like. Ch- ch- and then, have done. you ever thought of doing like a master class or something? Like you oh. just seem like the perfect teacher to put out a series or a book Start or something. In college. Yeah. So I do have a book already. Oh, here we go. <laughs> right. It's called Handcrafted Cocktails, a mixologist guide for morning or drinks for morning, noon and night. Cause you can drink any time of the day. Um, and then I do, I teach classes. I teach cocktail classes there. Um, you know, there's, they're not big classes. One day I'd like to do that, but people will call me up and say, Hey, I've got a group of like, you know, 10 to 15 people. I'd love to come in, you know, do a cocktail class. And I do those all the freaking time. Like almost every Saturday afternoon, I'm doing a class at Japs. And how can people, if the, they, they can contact you there? Or? Contact right now. Cause I've got some changes going on. Contact me, uh, Molly, at Molly Wellman's Facebook page, um, messenger. Facebook Messenger. That's okay. the easiest way I can find you. I can see you. I can see who you are. I can like put it all together. But that's the easiest way. This is Molly Wellman Facebook Messenger. So I'll get it all together for you. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Now at the end of every episode, we allow our guests to choose a promo code that uh, you can just shout out and it'll be worth 20% off at CincyShirts.com. I don't know if we'll have any Molly Wellman merchandise by the time uh, the, the podcast drops here, but we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, you can go to our site and get, get something. But anyway, what what is uh, one word? What, what's the ultimate promo code? Let's see. My gosh, that's a hard one. Um, let's do Cocktail Queen. Cocktail Queen. Oh, <laughs> and we'll do that as all one word and two diff- two separate words. I'll make yeah. it both. Cocktail okay, cool. Tween. Queen. Right. Cocktail Queen, Queen sort of saves you 20% that until the so next cool. podcast drops. Correct. No doubt. That is so cool. You guys make the best shirts in all Cincinnati. Oh, Love it. Love thanks. It. We're trying. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Thanks so much for coming oh, in. We know you're, you're busy. So you got fun. a lot of stuff Gosh. going on. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. Go see Molly. <laughs> yep. I said, hey, bartender. Hey, man, look here. One, draw two, draw three, four glasses of beer. Molly Wellman, that was fun, right? So for details on all of Molly's goings-on, well, she's on Facebook, and you can find her at wellmanbrands.com. 
Quick side note, you heard Josh mention that he doesn't drink, and he explained to Molly after we finished recording, uh, he said sometimes people think it's because he's super religious, or maybe there was some kind of a problem. Nope, just never took. Started doing comedy when he was 20, uh, he was in comedy clubs, wasn't legally allowed to drink, figured uh, he saw a lot of guys where it kind of became a problem, and he figured, you know, good thing maybe not to start at all, and then he never developed taste for it. Simple as that. He's a big root beer aficionado now, though, and a big lover of soft drinks from all over the country. So, just in case you were wondering, today's show is pretty Produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find them on Facebook, and of course, you can find that song in iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your music. Find vintage tees from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and more at oldschoolshirts.com. Dayton just came on board, so check that out. I know I said Dayton like that. (laughs) Dayton just came on board. Check that out. Uh, We're working on Boston as well. We've also added some designs to the other cities, so be sure to to check that out. The promo code for this episode, by the way, is Cocktail Queen, and you can do that as two words or one word. It doesn't matter. You can use that at Cincy Shirts, oldschoolshirts.com, or in our Cincy Shirts stores, which, by the way, are located in Hyde Park. Uh, we are also in OTR, a block from the uh, streetcar stop there at, I believe it's 12th and Main. And the Loveland store we just got the keys to, we are expecting to move in this week. So by the time you hear this episode, we should be stocking shelves and all that other stuff. And hopefully we'll be opening uh, next week. So do look for us in Loveland right there off of the bike trail. Tell your friends about the show. And again, oh, by the way, thanks to all of you who have been listening. Gosh, this has been amazing. We're up to almost 8,000 weekly listeners, which, uh, quite frankly, I'm amazed by. Uh, but again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please tell your friends and family about the show, whether they've lived in Cincinnati or just like Cincinnati, uh, because it's not really a Cincinnati-specific podcast, if you think about it. A lot of the guests we've had, like uh, like the craft brewing guys, I mean, people all over the country like craft brewing, right? And the, and the uh, roller coaster design guys, everybody likes roller coasters. So even if they're not from Cincinnati, tell your friends and family about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the show, be that iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or, or whatnot. Uh, other than that, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye